Next Chapter Podcasts. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new, hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of these for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Quicker than a Zephyr ski looting dude. I mean, you have to play Ray Light if you're going to talk about this record, right? Police Army. It's from her 1998 record, Ray Light. It's number 367 out of 500 on my show, The 500, with me, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to the only show that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums with a comic. Who doesn't know much about music? You want me to, get, you want me to talk about Guns N' Roses? I can't wait for that episode. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming to all the shows in Arizona and and all the people that have come out to see me while I'm here in New York. Every night, I'm at The Stand, New York Comedy Club, Comedy Cellar. Come out, support. And then also, June 24th through the 27th, I'll be at the St. Louis Funny Bone. And then August 6th through the 7th, I'll be at the DC Comedy Loft. And then you can catch me at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas in September and Skank Fest in Houston in November. Tickets for all those shows are at my website, joshadammyers.com. Let's talk about Madonna. This is, a, this is an artist that has followed me throughout my entire life, and there is a attraction to her, a seductiveness, a certain je ne sais quoi that just... It makes you want to pay attention to her. She has whatever people call Kavorka. Remember that in Seinfeld? It's that like attraction thing that Kramer has that that Latvian Orthodox uh, nun falls in love with him because he has Kavorka. Madonna has Kavorka. And I mean, there are so many songs by her that I love. I love Hung Up. Oh my God, I love Hung Up. You know, uh, the one she did in the album after this, Don't Tell Me. Boom, ba boom, 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 boom. I just have so much love for Madonna that, you know, I, I don't know if I call myself a fan, but I, there's, there is just something about her that is super cool. And so this was really the first real record of hers that I listened to from start to finish, besides the Immaculate Collection, which we're going to be doing in like a year. 
And uh, why not have one of my favorite comedians on the podcast to talk about this groundbreaking record? And I got the one and only Bonnie McFarland. Bonnie is uh, an incredible stand-up comic. She's one half of the podcast, My Wife Hates Me, with her and her husband, Rich Voss. She's done Comedy Central Half Hour, Last Comic Standing, her book, which we'll get into, You're Better Than Me. She is just such a great person. Her performance in the goddamn Comedy Jam at Skankfest one year. No, at Skankfest at Moon Tower was still one of my favorites. We're going to talk about all of this. And uh, this was a really fun discussion. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. And if you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and leave a review. Join the Patreon, patreon.com backslash The 500 Podcast, $5 a month, and you support the show. Subscribe to our YouTube at youtube.com backslash The 500 Podcast. Smash that subscribe button. Follow the Facebook group, The 500 Podcast with Jam, run by Crazy Evan, and email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go with number 367 with Ray of Light by Madonna. By Madonna. And with Bonnie McFarlane and Madonna. My nephew thinks you're the greatest ever. So he's going to be excited to find out I'm doing your show. Is he really? Uh, I I wish we had more clips of you and your your daughter singing, uh, I Believe I Can Fly. (laughs) I told him that we did that. He was like. Still the greatest performance in goddamn comedy jam history. Maybe when Big J uh, did that song. Um, who is that, Morty? Who Baker sings Street. that? Baker Street. Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. Oh, God. Just an endless encyclopedia of all music and all We We practiced so much, and I still fucked up. Oh, well. It was great. And what's great is that when we do the jam again, now you can do a Madonna song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, really it's, the, it's, it's so easy. To, it's so easy to sing Madonna because she is she really isn't much of a singer. That's the one thing I love about this woman. Right. <laughs> she makes you think that you can also. I, I, I honestly think that Madonna is I mean, nothing against Madonna whatsoever. But I mean, you know, she's not like Celine Dion. You know what right, I mean? Yeah, she's not known. Yeah. She's known for everything else. She's known for like the cone titties and like you know making out with uh, with Vanilla Ice in the in the what's it called? Sex? Was that book called? Uh, yeah, I think it was called Sex Book. Did you own that? I my friend went and got us both that sex book, and I don't know where mine went, but yes, she was like, "These are going to be worth something." <laughs> who knows um so take us back take us back to the beginning of of uh, uh of your run with madonna like take us to the first time you noticed her well i mean i guess i was um in high school and uh she was just all of a sudden she was just everywhere she was just everywhere and i remember like trying to find stuff to read about her and like um i remember reading an article in spin magazine that was like the ever elusive madonna is that crazy <laughs> that at the beginning of her career, she was like hard to get for an interview? Um, <laughs> the ever elusive. She changed that. 
But um, yeah, and I think about it a lot because it was the first time sort of like this overt sexuality was like everywhere. You know, it, it really just exploded, I guess, with MTV and everything. And I remember hearing a comedian that we both know saying that the reason that she did so much sex comedy was because nobody's really talking openly about it. And I kept thinking, well, are you kidding me? Madonna, like, you know, it's it's so crazy to not give her the, the props of that. Yeah. I mean, everything she's been known about has been like pushing the boundaries. And I mean, even just her rolling around on stage at the MTV Music Awards and the wedding dress for Like a Virgin is like this iconic clip. It's like everything she does is big. Even yes, Dick Tracy. Yeah. Yes, yes. She she loves loves attention. But then like you said that she's not a great singer or whatever, but I feel like like with so many artists that are like important and great, it's like that thing is the smallest part of it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's Like it's, even comedians, it's like it's not really like the guy who's got the most punchlines. It's something bigger than that. You know, it's what people hang on to is like this whole like personality. Yeah. So you see her. No, I completely agree. So you see her in high school and I mean, does it become an obsession? Is it just like, I, yeah. I just, you know, tell, take me through that. I mean, cause I can only assume it's like, you know, well, I'll tell you the first time I did stand up, I wore something that I saw her wear um, on David Letterman. So she was wearing like, it's so funny because right now this is the look. She was wearing bike shorts and a t-shirt and uh, Doc Martens. And that's what I wore the first time I did stand up. Like that's how ingrained in me she was. It was like, well, if Madonna is wearing it, I guess it's like fine and cool. Do you own the desperately seeking Susan jacket? <laughs> no. <laughs> the, the ever I watched the movie. I mean, like that was like a tiny independent movie that everybody saw. Oh my God. She made that movie before she got famous. Like she got famous while she was making that movie. Yeah. I there is, this is the thing. It's like, you only noticed from, in my experience, Madonna has just always been famous. You know, I mean, as she's blowing up, I'm in my, you know, my, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And like, I just, everything I, I remember about my childhood in music had Madonna in it. I mean, I feel like she already had a greatest hits album by the time I was 10. Right. And, right. and she was already doing stuff that like acting and dating Sean Penn. It was just right. everything about her was on this huge scale that I don't think any artist since has even come across. Cause I always say this, it's like, we'll never under, like, I'll never understand how big the Beatles actually were, nor will I really understand how subversive and how groundbreaking Madonna was when she first dropped because, well, because celebrities aren't like that anymore. Not at all. Not at it's all. It's like in your pocket. Like you could binge a show, you know, and then you're like, Oh my God, these are my favorite people in the world. And then I didn't see the show and they could be sitting right next to me at lunch and I wouldn't have any clue about them. It's like, or my daughter would see a YouTuber that she would be like flipping out over. I would have no idea who it is. It's like everybody's got their own little pocket now. There's hard, There's there's few, very few people anymore that like everyone knows who that is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And like the Beatles, Madonna, Michael Jackson, like those days are over. Where it's like, you know, everyone like my dad would know who that is. My dad. Know? My dad would know who Drake is. My dad would know, he would know Drake. Drake's huge. Drake's like Chipotle. He's everywhere. 
um, you know, but Madonna, like, I mean, I just remember there was like some of my first, like, you know, like teenage masturbatory experiences were like that one song uh, where she's like with the bull bullfighter. Do you know what I'm talking about? The music video, no. you know, I've always been in love with you. Oh my God. And she's wearing those, like those like 1950s, like stockings with the thing. And it's just the hottest thing ever. And I remember the sex book. I remember. Yeah. The, the book. sex book was the most provocative thing ever. Like no celebrity was, talking about their sex life or that was like Instagram before Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah. She'd be selling a fit tea right now. If, if <laughs> yes. that came out now, she'd be doing TikTok dances. Right. I actually saw Madonna um, at a black lives matter rally in downtown LA. Uh, she was on crutches. She was standing. I have pictures of this. She's standing right next to me and she is like five foot. She I know is she's so small. Mm-hmm. So small, uh, and and she's still. I saw her in the village once. Yeah. Oh really? She's and, she, and she's still beautiful. Like she still has this thing where it's just like I couldn't stop looking at her because of everything that I know about her and just all the history with her. It was like I was so like attracted, and she was just standing there, just this tiny right. little Italian girl. So so what about this record in particular? Like how old were you when this record came out and like how did this one Well, I was you? living in Los Angeles and I was a comedian and it was like you know, ramping up to Y2K and I feel like she sort of was like everyone was just crazy. I I mean maybe it was just me. I mean we, we were drinking and fucking doing drugs and having sex with everyone. And uh, then she was like, no, (laughs) now we're going to go spiritual. You know, now we're going to like try to have some inner peace. And it was like, kind of like so of the moment, like it was so necessary at that time, you know, that's why that album just blew up. Cause I think people were like, Oh my God, like Y2K is coming. And do you remember, I don't know how old you were Y2K was coming, but it was like such a huge deal. Like we thought the world was going to end. I remember. It was You're buying things for your computers so that, because everybody thought that all the computers were going to go somehow like, you know, crash. Everything was going to crash. Everything was going to uh, crash. I was at a party and like right when it hit midnight, my friend cut the power in his house. And everybody was like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> knock the Coke over. We're like, <laughs> there's like, wait, and it came back on. We're like, oh, wait, we're fine. All right. Can we pick off this little Coke nugget off the rug? Um, I don't remember what city I was in, but we were walking down the street. And at midnight, one of the like, uh, you know, like power lines flew off and started like, you know, like a flying around the street. And we were like, this is it. It's <laughs> happening. This is the end of the world. This is like a fluke thing. So yeah. so how does this album stack uh, compared to all of Madonna's other records like to you? Well, when you I, it's so funny because I was just like my friend and I were working out. And we started listening to old Madonna and they seem so innocent now. It's so weird that they were at the time, you know, like like um, what's the one um, Papa Don't Preach? It's like she's she's ask she's saying i'm keeping the baby <laughs> like it's yeah. like what what were we doing in the 80s that it was like 
no, you're having an abortion. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm keeping mom, dad, I'm keeping the baby. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's just. Will like, you be my third trimester? Because <laughs> yeah. do and do. Um, it's like we've gone backwards or something. Well, this was, this was Madonna in my opinion. Cause what I love about her and what I love about so many other musicians like Radiohead and Miles Davis and even the Beatles, because the Beatles were, that's their whole career is they started with one style of music. And then as the times changed, they started to kind of, you know, follow along with whatever the trend is. And a lot of the times we're at the forefront of it. And Madonna always did that. And she noticed that dance music and the rave culture was kind of taking over. And like you mentioned, right. she was getting spiritual with Kabbalah, um, which I know Morty is about to go into all of this, but it, it's, this is, this is her, you know, it, it's not her just trying to do dance music because everybody's doing dance music. It's just, you know, that's where the, the culture was at the time. And, right. and that's why I think Madonna is so great. Uh, I, I don't think there's there's any way to dislike this record. I don't think there's any songs on it that really just stink. They all kind of flow together. Um, yeah, it, it really is a cohesive album. Very, totally. very cohesive. Um, you know. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Morty, why don't you tell us about uh, a little bit about Madonna to, to get us right. to where we are. Released on February 22nd, 1998 on Maverick and Warner Brothers Records and produced by Madonna, William Orbit, Patrick Leonard, and Mary Estevries. This is the seventh studio album by the inarguable Queen of Pop. Now, Madonna Louise Ciccone grew up in Pontiac, Michigan in the late 50s and early 60s, the third of six children in a devout Catholic family, and the first girl she utilized her femininity to get her way and learned to carry the weight of being the middle child. While her mom was pregnant with her younger, with her younger sister, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and due to the delayed treatment, she deteriorated quickly and died when Madonna was only five. This comes up later. Only a few years after that, her mother, her father married their housekeeper and, and her new stepmother's strict rules and insistent that she take care of her younger siblings, combined with a resentment at her father for moving on, saw her rebelling from them and her childhood Catholic faith. That include dressing provocatively and frequenting underground gay dance clubs. She's also a high achieving perfectionist, straight A student, cheerleader and aspiring professional dancer. After graduating high school a semester early, she received a full scholarship to the University of Michigan Dance Program, was soon studying with the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater in New York City. After a short time in Paris as a member of a disco review, she's back in New York performing with different rock bands as a vocalist, percussionist, and drummer. 
Now, after combining her love of singing and performing, she goes solo, she gets signed to Sire Records, and she starts having almost immediate dance club success. By 83, she'd become a phenomenon like you were talking about. She's a style icon. She's an idol to millions of adoring young fans, along with her contemporaries, including Prince and Michael Jackson. By the way, they're all born in 1958. Wait, so wait, when is she? Wait, they are? They're all literally born within like a month and a half of each other. Oh, wow. Something was yeah. in the water back then. Oh, my God. Aliens. <laughs> I always thought of her as being like so much younger than them. Yeah. But like, yeah, literally when she came up at the same time, Michael Jackson, they were all the same age. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty. That's kind of interesting, man. That's like weird stuff. Yeah. Weird so and. and and so along with that, she becomes, as you were talking about, this lightning rod of controversy, boundary pushing, and it's mostly due to her freedom and this joy of sexual expression. Very free about it. Over the next decade, over the next decade, she diversifies into film, photography, literature. She remains one of the biggest and most famous pop stars in the world, in large part due to the constant reinvention of her image and early adoption of soon-to-be popular trends, often inspired by gay culture. After the success of her 1994 album Bedtime Stories, her life changed immeasurably. In 96, she had her first child, daughter Lourdes Leon, and starred in the long-anticipated musical film Evita. With these achievements and her enthusiastic studying of East Asian disciplines like Hinduism and yoga and the ancient Jewish mysticism of the Kabbalah, she gained a new perspective of a world outside of herself. These newfound passions would influence her final album of the millennium. Though she started making the record with Babyface, who'd done the last album, she decided she wanted yet another reinvention. She explained, I wanted it to sound old and new at the same time. She was introduced to experimental British producer William Orbit, and they merged his modern sonic capabilities with her pop sensibilities and newly strengthened and confident vocals. She co-wrote four songs with her successful True Blue and Like a Prayer era collaborator Patrick Leonard, added three more with hitmaker Rick Knowles. The album took four months to make, but it was well worth it. Along with being credited with bringing the nascent electronica sound of the masses, it went to number one in many countries, gave Madonna her first debuting number one single in the UK, and sold more than 16 million copies. It went on to win four of its six Grammy nominations, including Best Pop Album and Best Dance Recording, and earned six more wins at, the, at that year's MTV Video Music Awards. With almost four decades of success, an incalculable influence on popular culture, and sales of over, which is ridiculous, 300 million records worldwide. Good Madonna God. is certified. She's certified as the best-selling female recording artist of all time by the Guinness World Records. Really? Wow. Do you know the story about that Knowles guy, the writer? No, he what is it? saw her at Barney's. I just think it's such a funny, like, show busy story. Like, he's he, he's shopping at Barney's and he sees Madonna and he goes running over to her and he's like, "Hey, I'm a songwriter. I wrote um, Celine Dion's latest hit or whatever." And she was like, "Oh, I like that song." And then he wrote her like three songs or four songs or something. Oh, really? Did he write her uh, "Hung Up" because that is my favorite Madonna song? Every little thing that you say or do, I'm hung up. The music video is so dope. Just in the roller I don't know what songs that he wrote for her. Oh, well, you I'm know. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. That's, well, that's okay, the end of the podcast, point. guys. We're done because <laughs> this, is, this is a crock of shit. All right, let's get into the record. Uh, here's the Wait, thing I, I wanted to say something else, though, about like people whose mom died young. 
like they do have some weird drive, you know, to like have people know who they are or something. It's like your mom sees you. So then when your mom dies, when you're young, it's like, you need someone to see you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I feel mean, like that's like a phenomenon that happens all the time. I mean, everything I've seen about Madonna pre her, you know, being a star, I mean, she was, she had that thing and she was a very interesting, beautiful, sexy, you know, looking girl. And I think it's like, you know, just even the dressing, the style, it's all just kind of like a perfect like mold into who she is. And, and, and she was always doing stuff prior to everybody else doing it. And if, and I don't know if she's like seeing it in some club and then she's just taking that and doing and, you know, and, and bringing it to the masses, but, uh, she did a great job of staying relevant. She's like hands-on, very, you know, specific, very controlling in a way of like everything that she does. So I'm, I'm assuming that she's always been like that. Have you seen she's, any, have you, have you seen any of those weird like Instagram videos she's been doing recently where she's taking yes. like milk baths and. Um, yes. I mean, it's. <laughs> she still just absolutely loves being in the limelight. Like, yeah, for sure. for sure. For sure. Like, so I always think like once you're famous and it's got to be such a grind at some point, like when you want to just kind of like slowly sort of fade out, just keep the rich part of it. Maybe not so much the fame part of it. Yeah. But it isn't, I mean, I mean, imagine, like imagine everything she does still. Imagine, imagine Bonnie, imagine what that would be like to be the hottest thing on planet earth where every magazine's writing up about you and every relationship that you're in is in the tabloids and everything. And then one day you're 60. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You go from being the biggest thing and then it's just music changes and you start, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I feel like she's, she's not, I'm not saying she's losing it, but she's, Six right now. like it's like so, like she never figured out how to kind of just like live a normal life so she's still this yeah. is the only tool uh that she has is being famous i mean i bet she still hits on like 25 year old guys like her boyfriend is yeah like her boyfriend is like in his 20s yeah yeah it's like slightly <laughs> awkward to see them together i'm dating but madonna you know she's an octogenarian camera. but i'm dating her <laughs> um also uh oh no i can't remember what i was gonna say but um oh fuck i lost it it's all good all right let's dive into the record and then if it pops back up we'll we'll go okay. over it all right. all right so it opens up with uh drown world substitute for love uh this to me do you have a clip of it uh adam all right you play it All right, so this is this is supposed to be dance music, but this is like trip hop. This is more of like a Portishead record. At least that's the way it's opening to me. Uh, the themes of water and regeneration and desire for spirituality begin right at the top of the record with this rumination of what fame really means. Um, Bonnie, thoughts on the song? How do you feel? What do you like about it? Um, well, it's like, it's very like, um, sort of a gentle, like, you know, entry into what's going to happen. But, uh, I also think like she, you know, she, she took singing lessons for Evita 
And I think it like so helped, you know, because like you said before, like she was never like considered a great singer, but it sounds so good. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, I also love this style of music. I love trip hop as we've gone over on this podcast. And um, what would you say, like, if you had to define it for someone who maybe didn't know what trip hop is? Trip hop is like very sexy hip hop beats. Uh, this oh, is a, okay. this is a very I mean, usually a dark. Well, trip hop is more dark, like, you know, like like down tempo. Uh, do you listen to Portishead, Bonnie? No, really? <laughs> For such a dark joke writer, you need to get into Portishead. Really? Okay. Oh my God, right. you'll you will All love right. it. You're Canadian too. They're British. I don't know if that has some oh, kind I of didn't correlation. Know. I was, like, excited about them being Canadian. <laughs> no, they're not Canadian. Uh, you we but, both love the Crown. Yes, <laughs> they're, they're, they performed there for sure. They've eaten at Moishas in Montreal. Um, <laughs> but what I love about this song is that this is about fame. So I wanted to ask you, when did you have your first I've made it moment? Have I had it yet? I don't even know. That's the <laughs> thing about famous. Like, it's so weird because you're the, the higher up you get, the more people that you see that are higher than you. It's like it never is enough, you know? Yeah. It's like the things that you think when you start out that you'd be happy with that you're not happy with <laughs> are amazing. You know, it's like. Like, I guess when I did David Letterman the first time, I was like, this is it, you yeah. know, but really nothing changed. Like I could go to open mics and they would just put me on without me signing up. That's yeah. really like the biggest difference, which was kind of heavenly, but at the same time, <laughs> it's not exactly fame, you know? Yeah. Oh, I, I still get a kick out of that, especially during the quarantine. Cause I was listening. If there's a night I couldn't find a show, I'd be like, where's an open mic? And I'd find one and they'd be like, oh my God, we can't believe you're here. And I'm like, yes, me? yes. Are you fucking... <laughs> Do you know who I am? Oh, you do? Holy shit. That's where shit. all my fame is at an open mic. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll take it. Like when, a, when, a, when a comic doesn't know who I am, it's very, very different. Like, you oh, know. my God. Morty, did you ever have like a, like a, you know, because Morty's been, you know, in, in incredible bands. He's, he's. But it's when you don't have control over what it is that you like when somebody goes. Well, the worst part about it is when you get this. I don't know if this happens to you guys. Hey, man, I'm just checking in to see how you're doing. And you go, why? Like that's like that's the weirdest thing. If you ever had any, if you ever had any um, infamy, something that has nothing to do with you, like you're with somebody, or you're married to somebody, or somebody read about something, and but you don't know it yet. Right. And then you get that right. first call, like, oh, I saw TMZ, and you go, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. 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 That that happens, and then you, or that's literally what you get, like on the New York feed, they got it early, and so you, they wake you up, and you go, I don't know what you're talking about, but right. now I'm worried. Right. But Morty, now I got to run to Twitter and figure Morty, out. Morty, but fuck you, happened. but you, I don't know, buddy, you don't know this, but but Morty had a very his divorce. Your divorce was was all over like TMZ and shit like that. So yeah, I can, so I can only imagine. TMZ is about as useless as tits on a snowman. It's <laughs> Wait, got like, absolutely so, no fucking. It's just one of those I things. I like don't where, tits on a snowman. By the way, <laughs> well, you got to use carrots. You got to use carrots if they want to have those tie those tie yeah. nipples. But you know, you you. Uh, when you, when you don't, when you just see it on television, it's, it's pervasive, but you know, they have to fill up time. Right. So that's the worst part about it is it's like a 24 hour cycle of shit. Nothing happened for seven minutes. Let's talk about a Kardashian doing nothing. Yeah. So right. like when there is something, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you know, for you, it's the most important thing that ever happened in that moment. And then it's gone. It's the fish and chip paper. You know what I mean? It's the next day it's wrapping fish. But for like a second, you're like, oh, my God, 
And then well, you learn. Well, second though, because now yeah. I feel like it exists forever. I feel like when stuff happens, like say say a friend um, does a show and it gets a bad review or something, like they're getting it all the time because they've Googled it or that you know. So every single article is coming up for them, and they're thinking everyone's reading this or seeing it when nobody else is fucking is paying attention. Yeah, um, you learn that too. Well. Nobody cares. I, I don't know about. I don't know. We've had a few people that we know that have been canceled or are being attempted to be canceled recently, and I mean, it, it couldn't have hit at a worse time because during the well, qu- that, yeah. during the quarantine, like when when any of this stuff was going on, it was like, well, I have no, Tiger King's over. I've already watched it. I guess yes. I guess we're gonna right. watch these three comics right. be accused of sexual assault or whatever, and. Right. Right. So I I don't it just I think it depends on the situation uh definitely you know and TMZ of course is like just trying to fill their half hour show and fill up their website but I mean everything Madonna did was in the news at one point Well can I just say cuz I feel like this is this this is the Madonna you know thing and also with comedians is that you have to push boundaries in order to get noticed you know, but then when you get to a certain level, it doesn't happen with singers and stuff, but it, you know, for whatever reason with comedians, all of a sudden they take what you're doing seriously. Like once you get to a certain level, it's like the thing that got you there is what's going to also bring you down. For sure. Oh, for sure. I'm surprised. Has Madonna ever been attempted at being canceled? Have they ever tried to cancel her? Oh yeah. They've like taken away stuff, I guess, in the early days, maybe like, um, you know, advertising. Uh, well, she uh, like a like a prayer got got uh, yes. it, it it aired like once the video. Aired, it was a Pepsi commercial. Yeah, you guys forget is Always they made a Pepsi commercial and then she was burning cross. I mean, you know, I, I'll give her this. I, I understand how crazy some people get about their religion, burning crosses and then kissing a black dude who's supposed to be Jesus. I could see how that might have an incendiary effect on some portion of America. <laughs> there's some, there's some redneck. There's I some... mean, it's so, it's, I love, I don't even care if I agree with what people are doing a lot of times. I love people who are willing to say unpopular things or oh. she goes into it knowing she's, there's going to be a problem when she does it. It's like you not guys, everyone is, is is capable of of handling that kind of pressure. There's some guy in probably, South Carolina. There's some guy in South Carolina that's watching MTV. It's like that's it. No more Pepsi. I'm not no, drinking this yes, shit. She yes. danced. She just danced and kissed a colored boy while she the cross is burning. Yes. Oh sweet Jesus! Go grab me a go grab me a Mr. Pib because that he commercial air drinking. Wife while he's drinking a Pabst. <laughs> You know, yeah, the yeah. commercial aired once, by the way, it was like the biggest deal because Michael Jackson had done his Pepsi right. commercial. And then it was like Madonna's new commercial. And I mean, it, it was I'm a little older than you guys. It was like you were waiting to watch a commercial like it was like going to be the biggest thing. And it aired oh, and people oh. and it was the video. I mean, the video was chopped into the commercial and it was like. Like it was like well, a producer's moment. No, did it? How come Pepsi didn't realize she's, in advance? It, she's Madonna. Yeah, like you, you gotta know, go you with just her. gave them the opportunity. They were just like, I guess it'll be okay. <laughs> like, yeah, she's the number one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, they're sitting at the board meeting. It's like, okay, listen, we know she just did the cold cone titty thing. Maybe she'll clean up for this. It'll yes. be fine. Up, oh, nope, she's making out with Leon, the black dude. Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, <laughs> see, that was really the only way to reinvent herself again was to like go spiritual. It was the only option she had at that point. Hundred percent. Worst thing about that record, by the way, is that when they shipped it, they had it like dipped in patchouli. That people don't know that, but when they when they shipped like the album, Are you serious? It, it had it had like a scent put on it, and people like all the record reviewers and shit were like, "This fucking stunk up our entire office." Like what? everybody that got the record, I think it was just the vinyl because you could you could soak it in. But when people were getting they it, they were, it? it was I they spritzed it with some kind of something. But people were getting it, were like, "Oh my god!" Like we can't believe our entire like Rolling Stone was like our entire office <laughs> smells <laughs> like that's awful because it was like a prayer. It was all like a prayer at the time. You can't oh. even wear a scent when you go to get a massage anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> people get so mad about it. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Ray of Light because I love Swim. Swim's a great song. Uh, well, but- just the one thing about that. Sorry, I'll just give you the one thing you guys should probably want this is she recorded the vocals for this song the day she found out that her good friend Gianni Versace got killed. Which is so that's just <laughs> yeah, the song is but that is a pretty heavy fact. That was like a, that was like part of her uh, wait, performance. Wait, can you hear it? Let me let's hear if she's if she there's the sound of, wait, this is of swim, losing a friend. This is swim. Yeah, play swim real quick. I can't I can't. Uh, my best friend, my favorite designer. All right, cue it up. I can't keep. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. We all handle He's, death in a different you know way. What? That's like, that's what, like, I mean, other artists have done it. It's like gotten into a place where they're actually, like, that's, it's acting. I mean, obviously not for her, it wasn't, but it's like people who don't have great voices, that's what they have, like that expression of emotion. You for know? sure. Uh, I, I so I love that you said that she's easing us into this record. She's easing us into this song right here, "Ray of Light," because this, in my opinion, is a first dance song on the whole record. Uh, so this first single entered the Billboard Hot 100 at number five, uh, which was at the time the highest new entry for a Madonna song. You mean when Morty? When you say what? that, how is that possible? Uh, because charts are weird and different. So when this came out, the placement of a record, you know, it can go to number one, but usually it comes out, it's at five, seven, three, you know, whatever. And then it eventually hits number one. This happened to be the first time that she hit, that's the highest number she ever hit on a debut. I can't believe right, it. But they, all, they eventually all go to number one. A lot of them, yeah. She, I will get to more of a really interesting thing about her chart history. But with that one, yeah, this was, and because, you know, a lot of times you don't know. You know, until like hip hop a lot of the time and the Beatles and stuff, you wouldn't know how popular something was from the jump. It's a lot to think that you enter at number one. That means like the, the, the pre-excitement for your song is so popular that it's already like outsold by the time it comes out. Right. You know what I mean? Most people hear it, they hear it on the radio and then they buy it and then right. that's how the chart goes. But to think about what that means to actually debut in a high number with something that nobody's really ever heard yet. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The wrath of the 
buzzer. WMNS. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and i'll see you there all right so this is based on the 1971 song uh Sephron, written by curtis muldoon and dave curtis uh originally this was a 10 minute song jesus christ Whoa. yeah i mean heart she had to heartbreakingly cut it in half um I mean, yeah, dude, 10 minutes. Well, you put this on at a nightclub 10 minutes. Wait, did I mean, she speed it up too or something? Did she, Morty? No, the original version of, I'm saying it was indulgent. They first recorded this and she was having so much fun with William Orbit because he had already done this song for another artist. And so basically when he showed up, he was like, oh, I have this thing based on this other thing. And she's like, I like it. I like it. Okay, great. And they did like a 10 and a half minute track. And then they were like, okay, that's not going to work for radio. This so also has chop it. this also has the weirdest moment, in my opinion, of Madonna's whole career. The weirdest noise. Play it. <laughs> All right, I don't want to hear it ever again. That's so scary. What uh, is it? It's just her, her like primal scream. Oh, scream. <laughs> it's just you know, it's it's, it's just not good. It's I mean this. I don't think this is the best song on the record. I really don't. I love this song. Really? Yes. And I love the video. And I love like the how like pared down she is. And it's like suddenly you get to see Madonna and it's like I don't know. I just loved it. She's got that that, she's got that like, you know, the the raver, the nineties raver uh girl clothing, which is so adorable. You know, she's probably wearing Jinkos. I think she's wearing like a tank top (laughs) in it. No, she's not. Yeah, she is. I mean, because dude, this is these are this was I mean, listen, this is right when did this come out, Morty? Ninety nine? 98. Uh, right? Yeah, 98. 98. I mean, that was when I was going to raves, and I remember her in the video. I mean, she's like basically like doing liquid. It's you know, this is the rave culture. And I mean, they probably played this at nightclubs during the time, right? I yeah. I I DJ this at night. I mean, remember, electronic had just happened. It was just sort of happening at this moment. Gay culture had it, had that really high energy sort of stuff. 98, 99, that was like hip hop. Like clubs were sort of like right. they were like like European people would come up and go, Are you going to play uh, anything from Ibiza? And you'd be, get the fuck out of here. You know, <laughs> nah, dude, I'm playing fucking, you know, whatever, you know, Big Eej. So it was, it was that crossover. Electronic music, all that Bob Sinclair and shit that you, you know, dance around, that didn't happen for a few more years at all. So like, she was really ahead of it. This really brought that sort of like, this is like spin class music before yeah. they had spin. Yeah. I was, it's you like it's disco for monks or something. Yeah. yeah disco for your mom. Kind of. That's what it is. Like, <laughs> There's some woman just like cooking a meatloaf to this song, just in the yeah. kitchen. Like, Oh my God. I just, the Madonna track. I love it. I love it so much. Um, no, it- I, I think like too, like it was like, 
it, it was like fast and it was, but there was something like so grounded about it too. Like yeah. maybe it was the video that made me think that, but just that like how like natural she finally looked like she, she was always so, you know, like, yeah, actually here, while we're speaking to that, I, um, new Jeremiah, can you, can you put on, uh, can you find the music video for us so we can just see what she looks like? I, I really want to, I just really want that big normal. kind of curly. Like a totally like relatable, normal. <laughs> I think she had like a, she had a perm. I think it was like the weirdest thing about her. I think she had like kind of curly ish. I always remember her hair bouncing. Right. But I mean, it was like right. her in a green screen. It was like her like jumping up and down. Yes, right. Yeah, it's it, like, it's like her at Panera bread. Yeah. You know, it's, right. it's her it's getting a Fontega. Yeah, yeah this isn't this isn't Cone Titty. This isn't Dick Tracy. This is right, right. This about is, to order a sandwich. This is her yeah, at the Dwayne Reed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Buying some uh, buying some nasal yeah, spray. It's like, oh, we're all so busy. We're all just you know <laughs> trying to get a little spirituality in there. You know, Morty. I don't know why it felt like oh, it was like you're you're like. It was like, oh, okay. It was like a new path we could all get on. All right. Here yes. we go. All right. Here we go. Oh, here we what go. We got? So weird. My memory doesn't have it like this. <laughs> yeah. Where is she? Where is she at? Holy shit. Like, she this is. is the only place where she's like, you could really see her with all the In my opinion, this is the sexiest Madonna has ever looked. Yeah. Yeah. This I is, agree. this is the Madonna that I would, I would date. I would date her at any culture. Right. Yeah. Like she's approachable. I mean, to me, to me, this is, uh, wait, hold on. Wow, this is a lot. It looked like they had her for like eight minutes and they were like, <laughs> just film her in front of a green screen and we'll put shit up after. I know, and, it seems crazy yeah. now that this was like, wow, look at this video. And it never, remember, this different. is like MTV was already sort of cashed at this point. They were playing like real world and road rules and people like, it was all like reality television shit. So this right. played at like nightclubs on like video screens and it played at like malls. Oh, yes, dude. This was definitely at like, not Abercrombie and Fitch. What's that place? Express? Yo, yeah. This, L Express or whatever. What yeah, was that yeah, called? Yeah, Express. Yeah. God. Now, that's what I was talking about. The white tank top. God bless her soul. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like, it was a lot of gay. Co- Remember, up until this point, that really fast, upbeat, high energetic stuff that now we just take for like, you know, it hadn't really come back like disco. I mean, disco, you had like Sylvester and all those things. You make me feel, you know, that really high energy stuff. It hadn't, that really didn't break again in straight culture. For a while at that point, you know what I mean? Like she kind of came back with that high energy stuff. And, and that was like, now if somebody came up with something, you'd be like, oh yeah, it's a fast track. Right, right. But at the time I was like, my Donna's doing upbeat, high energy music. This is incredible. God bless you. Because know, that was like a videos big deal. before that too were also like storytelling videos. Yeah. You know, it's like, this was just... Just her dancing. It's like the movie Go. That's what it's yes. like. If you ever seen Go, the Doug Lamont film, which is kind of yes. about like three different stories in the rave culture days of like 1999. It's the song could have been in that movie. This song, the music video, it basically looks like the different uh, transitions from one uh, storyline to another. It, it's the same thing. It's very, very late 90s. It's it's yeah. very late nineties. Yes. All right. So then, Candy Perfume. But you know, girl. this was well, twenty years ago, like twenty one years ago. What is it? Twenty two. Twenty two years ago. Yeah. This is insane. God. This it feels like still very. It's like good. Yeah, it's really good. 
There's a good, there's a good, there's a good fact about Candy Perfume Girl if you want. Okay, it's yeah. All right, yeah. What is it? It's just funny. Better you know be good, company, Morty. Better be good because you know we... that company. <laughs> uh, you'll like this. You know that company, Magnetic Poetry, that everybody had on their refrigerators, yes, where it was yes. just the dirty words. Yes. Because of sort of the stream of consciousness of this, the refrigerator magnet company uh, tried to sue her to accuse her that she wrote this by using those words because of how the words are just rearranged in this song. Cause you don't oh think you'd wake God. up, like you'd go home with somebody, you'd have sex with somebody and they'd be sleeping and you'd be like sneaking out, but you'd go to the refrigerator and grab a drink and then you'd see it. It would have just like cunt made and you'd just like write a sentence <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then run out the door. I'm following me around. Yeah. You'd be like at a party and just do that real quick and then like run out the door and be like, Oh, the next person's going to read this when they go to get eggs. Like yeah. that company was like, Oh no, she obviously used this to write this song. Yeah, it's like mad lit. That's that's, that's, so funny. That's so. That's a hilarious. That's like a SNL skitter. All right, Morty. That was a good fact. Body, I'm going to tell you right now, Morty, and you know you do this, bro. Sometimes you'll be like, "All right, I just got a quick fact." So Madonna had on three different nail polish uh, (laughs) colors when she was recording this, and you're like, "That's on nothing really matters." All right, let's get to that. Let's get to nothing really matters. My favorite. Yes. So this is the fifth and final single. Madonna said it's a song about the realization that the only thing that matters in life is loving people. Uh, And she's quoted saying, I truly believe that no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you perceive it to be, you can always change where you are. I mean, there's so many similarities that link all of these thoughts, philosophies, spiritualities, religions together that in the end you have to say, well, there has to be some universal truth in here. Madonna is dropping bombs. She's the new Eckhart Tolle. Uh, yes, it's so true because it's like, the it's you know, it's the Kabbalah and the Buddhism. It's all like meshing in. Yeah. And I, I mean, could you imagine what that would be like? You know, you, you know, you hear about these stars like that, that just, you know, everything, there's all the yes men and everybody is just, you know, just putting them up on a pedestal and, and they're still unhappy. These, there's so many musicians that we know and love that have killed themselves when they, when you look at them having everything, because they never have a moment like this where you have to have something, you have to have some kind of foundation to, to, to become, uh, you know, this, this, you know, well, not to become a huge star, but to maintain it without going, you know, Mariah Carey, you know, on MTV, you know, like in a, in a, in a brawn panties, like having a breakdown. I mean, right. Right. Cause it could have gone that way for, uh, right. That's why, like, when, that's why when this happened and she got into Kabbalah and all that, it was like exactly the right time for her to do it, you know, coming up to Y2K and then having this song right now in 2020, 2021 is exactly perfect too. It's like, it's, it's like we, it's like the same thing. It just keeps coming back around. Yeah. It's like she was right. This also has one of the best moments on the entire record. Uh, Adam, play 336. Morty, I, you played this for sure, DJ. No, it wasn't, you know, Madonna at that point was a little, you know, was they, they had the real stuff that like that this stuff was based on. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's really deep. I mean, I think it's a great, you know, I, I give her a lot, of, I give her a lot of credit for sort of saying something like that Friday. Remember the Beatles went and tried to 
find the meaning of life when they were at the top of their game too. You know, they went to, you know, they went and did the Maharashi yep. and that was a bizarre, you know, like there's precedence for people sort of to hit, hit the top of their fame. I mean, Prince became a Jehovah's witness. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of precedence for like people to be like, no, this is all bullshit. I need to find the meaning of life. And remember, she just had a kid. So now she's well, that I think own. is a huge part of it. Yeah. Too. yeah. And her mom died when she was a kid, which now connects you to, yes. you know, yeah. the big picture. You start looking what came before, what comes after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, yeah. And I think when you have a kid, you like, um, you fix a lot of the issues that you had with your family and your parents in your past when you have a kid. Like suddenly it's like that stuff's done and now you move on to this like this new world, you know, yeah. new cycle. Yeah. Uh, I had a midlife crisis when I was 38 and it's now all this stuff that, that I just read is like basically the way that, that I've, I've been able to find happiness because we'll never find it in our careers. We're always, like you said earlier, there's always going to be a comic that got something that you wanted or that's that, that maybe they work harder, but but they're not nearly as funny. It's like this, the business and the entertainment industry is just not fair and right. and life in general isn't. So so right. it's like you have to find something on a deeper level to find enjoyment. Um, and well, you what's know, fair is like, <laughs> you know, when you do have some kind of inner peace and happiness it's almost like you see those other people even if they have more than you struggling you know you're like yeah it it doesn't matter what they have like in terms of you know things or um career because you're like you feel i don't know you just feel better about your own life i guess yeah yeah. When, when you're when you're when you're doing what Madonna says to do, yeah. you just find love. So if you, it's, had- so, it's so cheesy that I would like this song. Cause it's not, cause as you know, my comedy, it's like, it's not really me, but no. it is like, <laughs> the real me is that it's like, I do believe this stuff. I do believe like, you know, find, find some love in your life. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. I, I believe that truly. hundred uh, percent. So if you, so I, I, be, I feel like you might've just answered it, but if you had to sum up in a sentence, what you think the meaning of life is, what do you think it is? I, yeah, I think it's like, this is so fucking cheesy. Dude, be cheese. Come <laughs> on, I drop do it. I think it's like about like getting and receiving love. Like some people can't do either, you yeah. know? And it's like, and especially for yourself, it's like, I feel like maybe in the last two years or three years, I've really, I think because of the pandemic, honestly, I s- slowed down enough that I could sort of like actually start thinking about my life in sort of bigger, broader strokes instead of just like seeing the next thing right ahead of me and going, going, going. And I, I just realized like, I, why do I, why do I fill myself up every day with self-hate? Like, it's so weird when you know, when I break it down, it's like, I'm not such a terrible person, you know? And I think that when I started, this is so, I can't believe I'm talking about this. Hit it. Go ahead. <laughs> no one will ever come see a show of mine again. But um, I do think like once I started to sort of like accept myself and feel better about myself, it's like life is so much easier. It's just so much yeah. more fun to get up out of bed and talk to people and hang out and do what you got to do in life. It's like before it used to be such a like struggle. Yeah. You know? No, oh, I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying because it's, 
especially in, in in just the comedy world, it's just there's, there's so many egos and there's so many clicks, and it's like, do I fit in with these people? Do I fit in with them? And and and, and once you just say, I don't care who I fit in with, I'm just gonna be me. And and this is the Madonna thing. Like she can't help but be herself. Yeah. Like she just walks towards what she likes every day, and then this is what happens. Yeah. It's like if we could all just have that lesson. It's like it's like even the audience. It's like. I would spend, I would either drive home from a gig if I did well thinking like, um, oh, well, that was, you know, I, I, I somehow like, um, you know, whatever you call it. Like I, I, I gave in to whatever they wanted and just did what they wanted me to do. And then I did well. And if I didn't do well, I'd be like, oh, I'm a terrible comic. I can't, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, you know. It's yeah. like why? But why the, would I let them dictate who I want to be? But sometimes, remember the first place we met at where I had to feature for you, and you had yes. to do forty-five minutes in front of like eighty-year-old uh, gamblers, and I, I talk about that all the time because that was that was the show where I really that was the only show in my life where halfway through I was like I might not get paid. I mean, it was yeah, bad. And this one woman, do you remember? You know, I had to dance for them at one point. You were, you were standing on tables. You were walking around. <laughs> I was just trying to survive. That's like doing. The weird thing was I wasn't nervous about it. Like I wasn't like, oh, like I knew that it would be hard to follow you. But I was like, well, we'll just take like five minutes and I'll get the energy back, you know. And I never got it back. And in fact, this woman goes up. This was like, a, this is like a casino, pretty trashy, trashy. casino audience. Like they had. um they had shopping bags that were not new, you know, <laughs> like oh. they were using them as bags. for the stuff. And, and then they, the one woman goes, you got a family? I go, yeah. She goes, talk about your family. <laughs> she was trying to help me. Oh, my God. Wait, what were you going to say about that show, though? Well, no, it's just like, you know, there's some shows that where we care a lot about, like, we want to do well. And it's like, oh, my God. And then there's shows like that where it's just like, I just let's, let's get through it. And let's just have as let's much fun as it. possible. Cause that's the one thing that COVID really did to me in stand up, which is instead of saying, I want to kill, I want the audience to love me. Now I go, I just want to make sure I have fun. And if I have fun, yeah. then the audience will have fun. And even if I, if, if I don't do very well, but I'm having fun and I can keep like my, uh, you know, keep to self love and just be present throughout it. Then, then I don't even give a shit. I mean, dude, we're doing all these outdoor shows here. And it's like, they're not set up for us to win. And, right, and it's so right. you literally have to go into who gives a shit, just get through it, have a good time. And, and that's basically it. And I think that's basically. I, I like a lose, lose. Cause then I know it's like, not just yeah. me. Oh, <laughs> it's like yeah, dude. It, dude, there's nothing better than, than when you and your friends bomb, you know, when you both have yes, a bomb. Yes. Everybody's going in. It's like, you're, it's your Vietnam. There is no we're we're going to. This. There is nothing worse than when everybody does well and you're oh, yeah. the bomb. And on the way home, everybody's like, oh, man, that was, you know, <laughs> that was great. Or you're in the car and you're just like, man. You know, you're trying to blame the audience. And they're like, I thought they yeah, were yeah, bad. Yeah. It's like, God, that was a rough one. They're like, ah, I mean, you know. Well, Rich used to get mad because I used to open for him. And then I would say that was a fucking dumb audience. And he gets so mad and so protective of his audience. You know, it's like, don't say that about him. <laughs> All right, Sky Fits Heaven, good song. Uh, it's from a uh, was it from a Gap commercial? 
Yeah, she, there was like a poet who read this stuff in a Gap ad, and she was like, you know, like like those lines. Let's put those into this next song or whatever. And whatever deal she worked out, the dude didn't get credit. The guy, oh, well, let's give him credit now. Max Black. Oh, good old Max. In a Gap he deserves it. British poet. Uh, yeah, it's called What Fits. All right. And all of a all sudden, right. then yeah. there's Shanti Ashtangi. Uh, here's what's crazy because, uh, so after Lourdes's birth, Madonna began studying East Asian beliefs in yoga influenced by the traditional opening Sanskrit prayer used during Himalayan yoga classes. She exclaimed how with artistic license, I took one, two, uh, Vedic prayers from the 13th century. And then I sort of threw in a bunch of stuff too. What I wanted to do is take the idea of it, put it into the 21st century and use modern sound. So I go to this yoga studio in LA. This there's this this very over the top gay yoga instructor. Fuck, what is his name? I think it's like Randall or something and he's wearing all the beads and he's he's like, you know, everybody's it's it's hot yoga and everybody's sweating their balls off. He's wearing full pants and clothes just drenched in sweat and at the end when we're about to get into shavasana, he makes everybody sing and I just found out it's from this song was what we're singing. Oh. So go ahead, Adam, play it for a second. What uh, the the one nineteen? I love this song. I I love this song. This and it's not. Would you get in trouble now for doing this in our cultural appropriation world? I don't know. Is this offensive? I mean, once again, just precedence. George Harrison was doing this in the mid '60s. You know, taking these. You know, and, and even in the early '70s, on like Hari, you know, the Hari Krishna stuff that he was doing. So you know, it had been westernized. I mean, this felt a little. <laughs> this felt a little less appropriate given that she had, you know, a year before had her boobs out or whatever it was, I could see them being a little more like, like, right, wait, who's, right. who, who, who just did the 13th yes, century yes. Vedic prayer that wet, it means everything to us. Madonna, the one, right. the naked one on the boat. Yeah. 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 I, I could see that being a little more insane, you know. Um, great song. Let's get to frozen. Cause frozen's uh, yeah, is frozen's, frozen's the biggie. Oh, out there. Yes. We're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. This is uh, this only went to number two in the U.S. It was her first to enter at number one in the U.K. and it went to number one in several other countries. Madonna said it's about retaliation, revenge, hate, and regret. And while people assumed it was about her ex-boyfriend and Lourdes's father, Carlos Leon, it was about people in general. God, I remember Carlos Leon. He was a real yes. kind of looked like like a Mexican slender man. 
Is that? That's like uh, what her boyfriend looks like now. <laughs> Why'd you look up like that? You, you, he's like, no, I was just like, I had the slender man thing. Cause I was just like, wow. What a he looked, freaky. he looked, he looked <laughs> like, like, a, I got he looked like a Latino sleep paralysis. Uh, <laughs> pull him up, Adam, Adam, pull him up, pull up. Carlos. Yeah, he, was her, he was her trainer. Like people forget that. It was like her was trainer. She, was he a trainer? Yeah. It was like her train. Like she was in between husbands. Right. He was like, all right, you got to keep, you got to work on these hips, darling. We really got to get that. Oh, you want to make a baby? Okay. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Influence. I mean, if you're going to pick somebody to make a baby with. <laughs> Let's you know, see, we got him. Pick a physical specimen. Yep, what I tell you? Like, he looks like, uh, kind of like uh, Slender Man. Yeah, he definitely looks like he was, like, coming <laughs> through look- something elongated him. Oh, that's not how I remember him looking at I all. I mean, that's this so is weird. him now. This is him now. Now he looks like right. a now he looks like a Latino right, Jeff he still Goldblum. Looks yeah, he looks like he's like a film director. Yeah, he's, but he's still that's some of their kid, dude. He's still dude. Whatever he did, he looks good for whatever age he is. <laughs> he does that him with Tilda Swinton. All right, get out of here. He's twenty years younger than Madonna. Get out of here. All right, let me get my screen back. Oh, God, he might be younger than me. Now I'm embarrassed. Uh, so this is influenced by Indian and Moroccan music. Uh, she told Patrick Leonard she wanted something tribal, lush, and romantic. I, I think she nailed it. Uh, play 444. Everything about this song is great. I think it's the best song in the world. Yeah, uh, the beat, the vocals, and then the strings are lush. It, it's beautiful. Um, I and this is something, Adam, or maybe more to you know. I also feel this song is influenced uh, by Uncle U N K L E, uh, who is that guy? Uh, fuck, he, it was like him and DJ Shadow. You know, it's a trip hoppy. Right. There was a song, Lonely Soul. Uh, by uncle because even the outro of this song the way they have the strings did you pull that clip do you have the clip adam play play the ending a lonely soul When did Lonely Soul come out? Do we know? Forty? Do you know? Uh, I mean, they're early. I mean, he was that was an early James Lavelle's the guy's yeah. name. It was early nineties. It was early nineties. But you know, you have to remember William Orbit. Like that. That's what we missed. You know, just you got William Orbit. I mean, you you can't hear this record without thinking she was going to be making a record that sounded like she had Babyface. Like she was going to make another hit record with all these great hit writers and everything. And then she's like, No, who's that guy? And it's like this younger dude who has all this, you know, all these influences. So all this like stuff, obviously is uncle and all that trip hop stuff you're talking about, because here's a British producer guy who's doing remixes and stuff. And she's like, that's the dude I want to work with. I'll use those songs, but this is the sound I want to have. Yeah. So like everything, everything he brought and I'm, you know, it's Madonna. She listens. You obviously absorbs everything that was popular and even underground at the time. So it makes absolute sense you'd hear that because that's probably, you know, it was probably what they were all doing. Cause I think he's, he's a contemporary of uncle and, and all those artists. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's just do 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 singers, songwriters, whatever artists. Um, do they ever have like t- two different producers or more? This album has yeah. four different producers. Oh, they do. Oh, it's not like you just have one producer for one album. You have it for for each song kind of there's, thing. There's there's especially nowadays yeah, the, the, the any of the hip hop records yeah. we've done on this has twenty producers. So. Oh. Yeah, 20 writers, 20 yeah. producers. I mean, you but you find that a lot of times. A lot of times they would have somebody who would just do the single. You know, if you, even the Pretender's first album, Brass and Pocket is 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 produced or or uh um the single uh, Stop Your Sobbing is produced by Nick Lowe, the, rec- the rest of the record's Chris Thomas. You oh. know, they would do that. They'd get one guy and they'd go, "You make the single because this is going to go on the radio." But then, and then whatever the record. Like, it's hard to get a cohesive feel with that or no one cares about that anymore now nobody hears a record anymore. Right. So there's, you don't, you know, I mean, even then though, this was like a, you put it on and you'd still listen to the whole thing. There was still hard copy like CDs. Once it, once, once it became in the ethers and you just got it downloaded and everything, you were like, you know, it went from like, yo, play the great song, like play number seven, play right. number nine, play number three. And then that's gone. Nobody right. even knows where the track listing is. Nobody knows right. where a song is. Cause it just all comes yeah. out in like a blob in the yeah. air. Right. Um, Unless it's limited. Is there anything to add to this one? Uh, this one, uh, let's see. Yeah, well, she actually wanted... Okay, this is interesting. So this was a huge hit everywhere but Belgium because she got sued there and lost for plagiarizing a song called My Life's Getting Nowhere by Salvatore Aquaviva. So it was banned there until 2014. Oh, oh they thought she stole this song from that yeah. song. This okay. was like, a, I guess there's like a popular song around that, you know, around regionally or whatever it was. And then everybody knows the video to this is like, you know, it's this incredible video of how she originally wanted to film this in Iceland, but she's right. like, dude, that right. would be mis. I'd be miserable. I want to be barefoot. I want to be in like a slip dress and everything. So she goes, I'm going to go film it in the, in the desert in California. And it ends up being fucking freezing and pouring rain and everybody's getting sick. And she's still barefoot, so she could have just done it in Iceland. Right. It's <laughs> typical. Yeah. It's weird that it's from black and white, right? Remember this video, though? I mean, are you guys remember this with, like, the weird, like, she turned into, like, birds? Yes. And then yes. it was, like, an early, it was, like, an early computer-generated, like, you know, now it looks like, it just looks like a bad X-Men knockoff right. film. Yeah. Right. But at the time, it was like, oh, my God. And then she becomes, dude, you don't understand. She becomes, like, bats. She goes, yeah, she, she becomes yeah, a bird. Like- her becomes her. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, crazy. The last one I want to talk about, because I don't feel like a lot of the other songs, you know. Well, Mar- Power of Goodbyes, I don't that's know what if that's I want to talk about. Yeah, that's what I oh, want to okay, talk okay. about. But I'm saying like to have and not to hold, yeah, there's, it's, it's crap. You, you you might as well, I, I can give you a couple little tids if you want. But let's do Power of Goodbye and get to the facts. Yeah, the record the, pops with Power of Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Power of Goodbye, fourth single. It's about finding strength and peace after the breakup of a relationship. According. These are all so simple. Yeah, dude. In terms of like their themes. Yes. Uh, according to co-writer Rick Nowels, uh, the lyrics to Power of Goodbye are stunning. I love Madonna as an artist and a songwriter. I know she's grew up on Joni Mitchell and Motown. And to my ears, she embodies the best of both worlds. She is a wonderful confessional songwriter, as well as being a superb hit chorus pop writer. She doesn't get the credit she deserves as a writer. Now on that statement and Morty, maybe, you know, but I, I assumed she wasn't writing any of her songs. Oh no. She's been hands-on from the, she's had, she's had co-writers and she's had, you know, people working with her, but she's been involved 
I think all without with maybe minor exception to someone who just brought in a song, she's been involved since the beginning. Cause you have to remember she's, she's a badass. Like we forget this a lot about her. She came up, she was playing drums and percussion and singing in a band called the breakfast club, which had like a minor hit in the eighties, but she came up and was like, she was dancing with Alvin Ailey and she was like in France. And then, you know, she like, she came into this game, not like, oh yeah, I'm just going to be the chick that you put on the cover of the album. And we're going to, she was like involved from the right. jump in her career. So all that. She's writing a movie about herself, right? That's, that would actually Even be. Even now yeah. she's like. I still want to know what that one hit by the breakfast club was. Was it like oatmeal, oatmeal with blueberries, put some almond milk and a dash of honey. <laughs> Breakfast Club, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, oh, that's a good one, Morty. You can laugh at that. I, well, I know I'm giving it to you. I, yeah, I know we started a little. I was a fan of that song. I know we started a fan of that song, but I love you and and. No, but I'm a fan of that song of their hit. They actually had a hit called "Right on Track." Egg whites and whole toast. Oh, 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 um, yeah, man. Power of goodbye. Uh, really, really beautiful song, um, Morty. I think you have a really interesting fact about this. This one. is this is a great, and I, I have I have two quick ones. But this was supposedly about her ex husband, Sean Penn. A lot of people, if you're younger, you don't know that she was married to Tom Penn. Sean, sorry, she was married to Sean Penn for like four years. I remember that, and all that very tumultuous relationship. Yeah, it was. I mean, dude, there was pop. This is like beginning of like the pop rock where Sean yeah. would like knock out a dude in front Didn't of the thing. Chair. And leave her there. It was there was, there was like some, it was deep, dude. This is like crazy story. Yeah, it was, and nobody remembers that because you think you know. I guess if you're younger, Sean Penn is like the dude from something. You don't. If you're younger, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. You're like Spicoli. Oh, maybe I know maybe Spicoli. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 pretty heavy at the time, uh, and it's it's a it's a stupid throwaway fact. It seemed amazing at the oh, time. Oh yeah, like. First started dating. You were. Did like, you ever see the like, movie they did? What is it? Shanghai. No, I never saw it. I never. Like Shanghai surprise. Express. Shanghai surprise. Yeah. That was like it was going to be like their. It was going to be like their uh, Preston Sturgis Sturgis movie. Like it was going to be like the you know where you got like Cary Grant and Carol Lombard and they'll go through it and it was ch- it was hard. Yeah. It's hard. It was because that's not Sean Penn. It was a George Harrison produced film, but it was just it was difficult. Who to watch. directed it? Do you know? Uh, oh God, I blanked on that. No, it was it was somebody though. Like it was somebody where that was like, oh, how could it miss? You yeah, know? Like, right. And then the, have you ever read, are you guys Bukowski guys? Josh, you seem like a Bukowski guy. Do you nah, ever go through your, like, I'm going to drink and read Bukowski? I don't know. I'm more of a Camus dude. I don't really. Oh, know. well, okay. <laughs> when we get to the cure, we could do that. Anyway, if you ever read the book Hollywood by Bukowski, <laughs> he does a very thinly veiled, he talks about Henry Chinaski's, his character that he writes in all those books. That's him. If you ever watch Bar Flights, but in it, he talks about how the reason I screwed this up is how Tom Pell and his wife, Miranda, came to try to get the rights to his to his book. The book's called Hollywood. And no it's way. like the worst thinly veiled writing of Tom, Sean Penn and Madonna, how they tried to oh, buy them. But Tom Pell and Miranda and his wife, Miranda, came to try to get the rights to my book. Holy it was shit. at that time when they were married. So I thought that was just incredible. And then Rick Knowles, just so you guys know, Rick Knowles knows his shit. He came up writing shit for Stevie Nicks and he co-wrote like the new radicals, you know, you get what you give the thing that Biden just used. And since then, Licky Lee, Dua Lipa. And he's the guy that's pretty much, I don't want to say Svengali. He's the guy that has been with Lana Del Rey from the beginning. 
Yeah. He's like her, he's like her dude for everything like up until now. So I I almost like I think he looked at Madonna and was like, I can do that. Ooh, like I can start from scratch. You just gave me a good question to ask Bonnie at the end when we do rapid questions. So no, I'm not going to tell you later. Don't worry. We get, it's a whole thing. We do. <laughs> Who's it's, your a whole, it's a whole <laughs> thing. Can I ask you a question though? Is why is it like someone like Madonna, who's obviously so creative and has her own mind and very like controlling things like, and she's wanted to be a director and an actor and she couldn't do those things. Like those things are just not happening for her. You know? Well, Evita was like, Avita did okay. I mean, she got praised okay, yeah. for Avita. She got praised. Right. The movie got a little panned, but I think she right. got, you know, they were like, she's finally, and desperately seeking Susan. That was like very specific casting. I think yeah. like that, like, you know, how much acting did she really have to do in that? In what? Did you ever see uh, Truth or Dare? <laughs> are you too young to have, are you guys too young to have like watched yeah. Truth or Dare, the black and white tour movie? Oh, yeah, 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 she yeah, did, yeah. I don't where, really yeah. know, but I, I, yeah. Home no, movie. but she's, like that because that's just her being her and it was just yeah but it was like it, it it's watch it now and it's sort of a tough sort of a tough watch it is it's a bit hard because like she was uh it was like warren but she's like trying to get warren Beatty like to get in front of the camp now it would have been now it would have been like literally like a like an epics hour or like a netflix hour documentary like one of those things that like like what's her face did but like beyonce did one? It was a black and white. You went to a theater to watch her backstage, like with her people, like making fun of her makeup director. And oh, like, I remember she's going, Truth like, or Dare. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Get on film. And he's like, no, no, I don't. But did she, did she like, was there other movies like that? Or there wasn't? That was like. She was pretty original for her to do. to do a movie like that? No, nowadays it would have been like an MTV thing. Like it would have just been right. like backstage with Madonna for now. But it was like her like, this is how sexual I am. Here's me with all my right. gay dancers like I bitches. Remember, yeah. You know, I remember like, that. Yeah, it was early. It was early on. I mean, she, was, she was good in that. What was that ice pick movie? It was the one like uh, dude, it was the one like Body of Evidence. The one, body that of she, evidence. the one that she did with William Defoe yeah. where she or either she drips hot candle wax on his chest or he drips yeah. hot candle wax on her chest. It was, it was his. It was like Fatal Attraction. Like they, they did like nine remember. Fatal Attraction movies and that was one of them. She got a bit panned for that. And Dick Tracy, she got a bit panned for because she but she was with Warren Beatty for that, you know, but it was a cartoon movie anyway. But she's, I mean, I think she's, oh, she did that. Oh, she did that horrible remake of. Oh, Slept Away. Uh, uh, sl- swept Away. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was oh when my she was God. married to Guy Ritchie. And that, that was difficult. That was, that a, was a difficult oh, he movie. Directed he that. directed it, but yeah. it was like, dude, Guy Ritchie is the it director in the world. He locked stock two smoking barrels, Snatch. Right. She's, she's this icon. They're getting together to remake this movie that's going to be shot in like a desert island. And it is fucking garbage it is a yeah, it's hard it's so amazing when you think like well all the ingredients are there how could this it's be gonna bad? be great I mean, it's british not. people and guns and jumping and slow motion and shit and that was not that movie i mean they should have put her in yeah. like a lock stock and two smoking barrels movie that's what they should have oh, done that's absolutely that's his that's guy Ritchie's like wheelhouse and he's great at it he's making the same movie over and over and <laughs> over again exactly. And it's great. Always entertaining. Always entertaining. Um, all right, let's get to the facts and then we'll get out of here. Morty, what do you got? Okay, so uh, you were talking about how she did Evita. So she, so going into this record, she had been really working with a vocal coach. And so you talked about how Madonna really, if you guys know anything about Madonna, very similar to kind of Britney Spears, she was never known for her voice. She was known for almost everything but her voice. 
But going into this, after she did Avita, like they really strengthened her up. So she went into this thing. Uh, she actually said about it. She's like, before, I just believe I had a really limited range and was going to make the most of it. So she felt not only felt her own sexually, spiritually as a mother, but she felt like, God, I can really sing now. So like, there's much more of that on this record than there had ever been up until this point. Really? So that's about her finding her yeah. voice. Well, um, it, I mean, literally and metaphorically. All right. So, and she found it like she actually had another range that she yeah. never used before. That she suddenly was Especially like, that "Oh, primal I have to scream crap." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was embarrassing. Just so you don't think that was embarrassing at the time. Don't think like that. We that that just aged poorly. That came out. <laughs> that came out. It happened in the song, and people went, "Oh my god, what the fuck? What are you that? doing, Madonna?" Okay. Yeah, stop it. Um, it's your Madonna. All right, so I, instead of asking you about when did you find your voice, because uh, that's such a, uh, uh, not it's a good question, but I wanted to ask you, because I feel like we skipped over it, we had in a different song, is let's talk about finding, when did you when did you find that moment where you, if you don't mind talking about it, where you fell it. in love with Rich? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. It's a complicated story to tell because um, I I rem I had a tough relationship with my mom and I fixed it. We came to, to a very nice, she even wrote me a letter and sent it in the mail. And I remember when I was reading the letter, I thought to myself, oh no, not while I'm dating Rich. Because I knew yeah. <laughs> fixing the relationship with my mom would be like, fixing myself and then I could have like a normal relationship with yeah. someone. So I remember reading the letter thinking like, Oh no, I'm dating rich. I'm going to marry him. But, and then I did. <laughs> but, um, does that make sense? It makes, it makes like, perfect sense. It was just perfect timing for it all to come together. Yes. I was like, Oh boy. Even I was like, what the hell? And, uh, um, no, the, one of the things that I loved about rich was that, he, like, I love arrogant people. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm attracted to them. I think because I'm Canadian and it's such a thing that you're not supposed to have. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're always supposed to sort of like be um, very self-deprecating and, you know, modest and stuff. And I remember the first time that we went for dinner and we were having sushi and he said, um, he goes, I wish people would see that I'm a genius. And I remember thinking, like, is he joking? Like, is this? And then I realized, like, this is, he's telling someone this for real, which I don't know. Like, it like kind of made me fall in love with him. I was like, wow. It's <laughs> what a first date conversation. Okay, I just wish everybody would realize that I'm a genius. Uh, so, do you want to get the uh, some edamame? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember being like, what kind of person is this? Yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I still like that part of it. I still like that about him that he's very like, I mean, he flip flops, you know, he's, it's really just hubris. He's empty. Inside. We all are. We all are. <laughs> it's not having a good childhood, but I love it when he walks around confident. Like it makes me feel safe. Or something. I get it. I like totally, totally. All right, Morty, what else you got? 
Okay, this one's really interesting. So besides having the most successful solo career in the Billboard Hot 100 chart history by having 12 number ones, Frozen was her sixth number two. Now, this gives Madonna the dubious distinction of having the most number twos of any artist. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I mean. I know. <laughs> oh, God, number twos. Great. I, I don't. On a two. Okay. Yeah. There, she's. I, I just. I'm. That blows my mind because I feel like every song she ever did was just played thousands of times on MTV. When well, I, was I mean, number two is only one below number one. Sure. I mean, there's really not a huge this, difference. Talking, I I agree with Josh. It seems like they would all go number. It seems like one. yeah, but twelve. I mean, do twelve's nothing to sneeze at. You know, twelve number ones in your career, and then to have six number twos. It's like the Beatles, like really only fucked up with like, you know, when they put out the double A side. And got held off by Engelbert Humperdinck with Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever. Everything else they did was like right up there, like the Madonna thing was just number one. That's, you know, like getting to number two. By the way, you know the band that had the most number twos without ever having a number one? Who, who? Creedence Clearwater Revival. No shit. No yeah. shit. They had like, <laughs> like they're like the band, like they had like something ridiculous, like six or seven. Where they never, had a, never had a number one in their entire career. And you were just like, oh, you guys. Oh, they're just millionaires. Oh, how bad. Yeah, how exactly. unfortunate for them. Yeah, yeah Flannelville. When, um, when, um, when, 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 like, um, what's that, the name of that song? Um, Nothing Really Matters was number two. Like, what was number one? Oh, I don't have that right in front of me, but it was, it was always stuff you, but it was either something like, you know, in England, it would be something you never heard of. You know what I mean? It would be whoever the Chumbawamba of that year was, you know, it would be like, oh, the, the Joppa Bubbles had a huge like radio hit because it was an advert for a candy bar. You know what I mean? You'd go like, what? Yeah. But in America, it would be something you'd probably heard of. Like in America, it was like Huey Lewis or something, you know, it would be like something you'd be like, oh, that makes, no, absolutely. That was, that was their year. Okay. So the Seferin, you talked about the Seferin co-writer, Curtis Muldoon, Okay, they so what you have to know is like you said, William Orbit was already doing this song as another song with another artist. So he brings it to Madonna. Madonna's like, "Oh yeah, I like that." So the guy who writes the song is unaware, and he's annoyed that she she makes she remakes Ray of Light, and she just all of a sudden goes, "Okay, I'm going to take thirty percent of the publishing from this song that they had like already written." But then he said, "I realize that fifteen percent of millions is a lot better than a hundred percent of nothing." I did very well out of it. It's been a life-changing experience. I'd say I'm financially secure for at least the next five to 10 years as a result of 15% of one track by Madonna. Wow. Wow. So Madonna, I have like three albums on uh, Spotify. If you want to take (laughs) any of them and give me 1%, I'll take anything. Bonnie, what was your worst business experience? Um... Well, I paid, I, I got a, a manager when I first got to New York and then I signed a contract with him and then he was, he turned out to be kind of abusive. So then I tried to get rid of him and he he wouldn't let me go out of the contract. And so he took every penny, well, 15% of every penny that I made for three more years, even though he was no longer my manager. And I had to be a lawyer to try to get out of it and I couldn't get out of it. So I also had like spent money uh, for this lawyer, like really. Oh, that's, t- I've heard that experience so many times is like you get that manager. They, cause I, I've always had it where it's like you, I've never really had a real contract with my agents or anything. So it's just like, Oh, I could probably just. It's, insane. I never had either. it's just like a handshake. Yeah, it's always it's, a handshake. It's weird that- and 
when I, but it was like, I just got here from Canada. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get it. Uh, All right. Well, what was your best? What was your best business experience? Um, I signed a, a deal with, um, 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 oh my God. Now I can't remember his name. Anthony Bourdain to write a book. And that was like, he just, he, he saw me at a roast. I did a roast of his. And then he just said, do you want to write a book? I have an imprint. And then I just wrote a book and he published it. It was like the easiest. And then he offered me like three times what I thought that I was going to get. So it was just like this insanely easy um, thing that just happened. That just kind of fell in my yeah. lap. Holy yeah. Shit. I mean, writing the book was hard, but. Did you get to hang you know. out with him? Yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, he was a great guy. Right. All right, Morty, what do you got for the last fact, bud? Okay, so this one, uh, th- there's a little bit of controversy here. At that at that year's MTV Video Music Awards, she caught heat from the religious organization, the World of Vaishnava uh, Association, for wearing the Hindi mark that represents purity and chastity on her head during a performance that sees her in this see-through top simulating a sex act. So, you know, she's ever Madonna. What was the sex act? She's asked, what was this? I mean, I mean, she's she just what, grinding I mean, or doing, it... you know, putting her head in someone's, you know, probably oh, putting her head yeah. in someone's crotch, dancing around. And, you know, it was, I mean, it was enough that the guys are like, oh, look at her. She's really bringing, you know, the Vaishnava stuff to the masses. And she's really going to help us out. <laughs> are those her nipples? Wait, is she blowing? Is she blowing the sitar how player? Did you make, how, did you make oh, a, wait, how did you make a Hindu word into Yiddish? You were like, ah, oh, the Vaishnava. It just happened. <laughs> I literally can't I help it. I pickle, I pickle curry. Um, uh, all right. Uh, Bonnie, what was your most controversial moment? Um, I said cunt on last comic standing and, uh, I, you know, you had to do like a, a full set You and that they only take 30 seconds of it. So I did this joke. That's really funny. And to make the, the, the judges laugh, and not thinking that NBC would fucking air it, you know, they they had like four and a half minutes of other clean jokes they could have taken. Um, but of course, uh, you know, it's a reality show. They put it on, bleeped it. And then they had all the other contestants being like, her career is over. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have a clause? Was there like a clause in that thing that you only do like a, like a, a clean five or something? They, it, it, our year, it was like, they kind of let us do whatever we wanted because um, we were the second season and th- they made us come up with so much new material all the time. Like it was never enough. And they had so many criteria of stuff you couldn't talk about that didn't have to do with like curse words that. Um, like don't talk about Pepsi. Was that the big like, one? Yes, like, yeah. Don't burn yes. crosses on your lawn. Right. No right. religion, no drugs, no like. That they just kind of like, if you didn't, if your joke didn't hit. And also they just told us not to do it. They didn't ever really look through your material. Oh, wow. Just go on. Good thing comedians never want to like, you know, (laughs) they never want to push the envelope. I mean, it's a funny joke. Right. I'll tell you the joke. Please. It's just like people, women get mad when, you know, guys call them honey or, you know, sweetheart, which I don't care. I mean, I've been called cunt so many times i don't know it was something like that. but um it, it was like it was just i think i opened with it even like i just did it to make like brett butler was one of the, the judges and i remember yeah. thinking like oh she'll think this is funny and then i watched it like 
fall off her chair and I was like, yay. <laughs> but I didn't know they would put it on the show. Well. So and you're like, charming. Yeah, it's not like so me saying cunt. It? It's you saying cunt. You know what I mean? With your oh, you say it. I I just I just called a restraining order on you for saying that. <laughs> I could hear that in your voice. <laughs> that, I, that you know it's a weird thing. Like if you're a comedian or you, you just like these certain these words don't even register with you anymore. It's not like nothing. You know, yeah. Or guy. Yeah, Ritchie. it's like sometimes I'll be with my sister and I'll say cunt, and then they'll both be like, uh, 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 you know. Yeah flipping out you know like, oh whoops sorry forgot i think canada has an allotment of the amount of times any canadian the entire country you have like three you're allowed to say yeah yeah i've, I've used, used them up, them up. yeah me. she just right now in this conversation sorry dave thomas um I, yeah. but, in America, but in the but in uh, uh the uk you can say it as many times as many that's times the guy richie thing yeah uh god it's, it's they're so much cooler their music the words uh the candy british candy 10 times better than anything American. Um, all right, let's do, uh, let's do some, let's some quickies and we'll get out of here. All right, Bonnie, favorite song on the record. Um, I said that it was, um, what did I say that it was? I said nothing really matters, but then I changed it to Ooh, frozen. All right. Least favorite song on the record. I don't know. Maybe candy perfume girl. I know that's like an unpopular yeah. stance, but it kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, what song on this record would you fuck to? All of them. All of them. You're doing a whole record starting right from the beginning. They're all very okay. No, they're they're all very. Well, yes, this is a very fuckable record. Very very fuckable. And you make a good point. If I could fuck from beginning to end of the record, that'd be a pretty good I night. Mean, but I guess I'm now that I'm married. You're asking me. <laughs> yeah, because you're you know. <laughs> I always imagine you're talking about the person you're with when you ask this question. Yeah. And it's just so funny to be like, oh, you mean with my husband? Just Oh, with yeah. my husband, no. That one song. Sometimes I take the phone and I put someone else's picture on it. Yeah. And I it. He doesn't care. He's like, he's cool about it. You make that, I just want to make that scream. Ah! Yeah. Um, By the time the screen is over, scream is over, so are we. That's hilarious. Um, all right. This is, this is the one that I came up earlier that I wrote down. And I feel like this is apt. Uh, what artist now is taking the torch from Madonna? Oh, I, I don't even have any clue. I mean, I can't even answer that. I've music has like taken such a backseat in my life. It's pretty sad. Um, like taking the torch in what way? Like the one who tried to do it is Lady Gaga. I mean, she's the one who every, the thing was Madonna, because we live in a society where things happen quicker, you know, so much more immediate Madonna would do like a season of being the chick with the feathered this. And she'd do a season of wearing like the little gummy bracelets and the thing. And then she'd do a season of having an Afro. Lady Gaga did it. Every time you saw her, she couldn't be in what she was wearing the second time. You know what I mean? The last time you saw her. Right, and right, it was right, like, but- I'm in a meat dress. I'm coming out of an orb. I'm in a thing. I'm, you know, like she wore jeans. It was crazy. It was like every time you saw, I was like, go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cause like, you know, Gwen Stefani would sort of do like a season thing. Like she had the thing and then she wore the, the pants for, so for one tour, I look like that. But with Lady Gaga, it was like, every time you saw her, it was like, what can I do to beat what they just saw? Like, I'm not kidding. Like a week ago. And you never got a chance to get a beat. All right. Yeah. Well, then here's the follow-up question to that one, Bonnie, because if you don't know the artists that are coming out that are kind of taking the torch from her, uh, what is your favorite Madonna? 
Oh, which one is my favorite Madonna? Yeah. I, I think this one is my favorite Madonna, like Ray of Light. Like, I like that Madonna. I don't know why it still speaks to me. But, um, you know, when I was a kid, I really, it's just that her songs now from back then sound so kid-like. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Like, they don't. That's a style of music, um, though. I mean, it was the 80s. I mean, everything, like, like a virgin, yeah, well, it's it's the production on it is, is, I mean, it's a perfectly written song. It's a perfect pop song. Right. But it's like, you know, even the, 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 tr- what do you call those, like, drums? Like, the track drums? The Lindra. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of programming. Yeah, it's a lot of programming. That's Nile Rodgers. It sounds, yeah. it sounds very 80s, and it's, it doesn't, you know, listen, it's, you could still put it on. I bet Morty, if you're DJ in a Rosenbaum show and you put like a virgin on, it still probably gets the dance floor going. But- oh yeah. No, it's, it's especially women of a certain, women of a certain age yeah. tend to like that. <laughs> Our 80s tend to yeah. like that music a whole lot. It's a lot of, yeah. Isn't that it's a crazy, isn't that, crazy that, that the three of us are all in that certain age soon. I mean, we're all there. I'm over, <laughs> man. Well, you, you yeah, you're in your fifties, but still it's like, I mean, Dude, I'm everyone over 35 is the same age. There's a, yeah, but there's you'll see there's a degree. I'll tell you why. Here's my favorite Madonna. When they found all those naked pictures of her and they were in Playboy. By the way, the last issue. Here's how old I am. The last issue that had staples. Was they they put out they put out the last Playboy that had staples before they came up with that new binder that was like flat. The, like the last issue. I mean, what, I didn't really follow the. Binding. No, I'm saying any magazines. Remember how magazines used to have. Remember how magazines used to have staples. Yes. Yeah. Okay. This was the last. It's like before they went to like the hard binding kind of thing, whatever. Okay. Madonna, yeah. Playboy bought the photos that she took as like a student when she needed money in New York, and she just took like her and her hairy armpits, like artistic. News. Yeah, I remember seeing. I remember that. That was a revelation for us because she was only like two records in. So he was like finding like the most desirable person, desirable person of the world and then going, oh, by the way, you know, there's all these naked pictures of them. And oh, you're right. also prepubescent or just pubescent at the time. It was. Why? How old is she in those pictures? She, probably like, you know, 19. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. 20. Like it was like I was like stuff like we're like, you know, I need some money. Oh, yeah. My school's. I can, you know, can I take black and white, you know, artistic photos of you naked with a cat? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You know, and then years later, she's Madonna. So I'm like, that's the era where I was like, she was the hottest thing you ever saw ever as a dude, because there really wasn't much else. You know what I mean? Right. Like we were too young for porn. There wasn't readily available. Well, that's what the, the early Madonna was like, she did give like women something or young women something like some kind of like confidence in their sexuality. Whereas before you just kind of felt like, like everyone was like, asking you to downplay it like like society was asking you to be ultra feminine and and also pretend it wasn't happening at the same time like she was just like well she was in control she was in control of it she was in complete control before that you felt there was a dude who went yo take your take your top off yeah like this like just like a dude who told she was like i own my sexuality in this moment and i'm not afraid to use it and before that stevie nicks whoever it was they were open and free and they wrote songs that expressed it's me and I'm in charge, but people really didn't serve it up themselves and own it. You know, it was still thought of as like, how dare that person be naked on whatever. And she was like, no, no, this is mine. Here's my butt. Here's my boots. I'm rolling around on the stage. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. She opened the door to only fans. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
fifteen dollars a month. All right. Ah! All right. Last question, Bonnie. Uh, this has been great. Uh, does this record deserve to be on the five hundred greatest albums list? And is it ranked accordingly? It is ranked. Let me check. Three sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, that's that's down there. It, yeah, I mean, they were, this is ahead of a lot of great records. It's ahead of uh, a Beatles record, "Let It Be." It's ahead of. Um, Morty, name some other shit. All three big star. All three, all three big yeah, star I mean, records. Always, you know, big star yeah. is big star. But I'm saying to have all their records, and then like police, and like like there's some records on here where you're like, what? Yeah, there's, like, this, this list is more is... important. What's than... a record on there that you don't think should be on there? Oh god, I mean, there's been a bunch. Pil that pil. No, is, the pil is it is, doesn't it's deserve the bitches to be on. brew of punk rock, dude. It's oh god, it really is. So much it credit. is. It's there's some crap. It, there is. It's like my if Miles Davis picked up his horn and just threw it at the wall repeatedly, <laughs> and they recorded it. I would be like, I could see the parallel. This, the it's, funniest, it's the funniest thing, uh, body is one of the best jokes somebody said on this because this pil record really is a fucking. It's a shit show. It's hard, and, uh, it's hard. and he goes, "What number is it?" And I'm like, "It's four. It's." You know, it's 4.32 and Kyle Kinane's uh, doing the episode. He goes, so this is 4.32. He goes, what's 4.31? (laughs) Halloween spooky sounds? Like... Yeah, and I'm just like it's like he's. I'm like, yeah, dude. No, it's here. It's everything we've talked about. And Madonna's got some more records coming up. I think Immaculate Collections on this list, uh, which is a greatest, which is the greatest hits, but. It's it's got a couple new songs. I think Justify My Love was on from on from that. You know, this is this is an important record. I mean, it maybe in the time I didn't realize it, but listening to it now and thinking back and all the facts and all that shit, yeah, it's it's an important record. And I mean, for you especially, right? Yes, for me, it's an important record. It taught me Kabbalah. <laughs> Where's that little red string? Uh... I know it was such a big deal, and it was like. I'm Jewish and I never heard about that. Yes. It's like, suddenly it was like, there was like this, cause I was, I've never been religious. I don't have any interest in like church or God or any of that shit. And this was like the first time where you could really think like, Oh, you can have some kind of spirituality without it being, you know, not that you'd be into Kabbalah necessarily, but, but like, so first time you kind of heard about Buddhism and some of those teachings and stuff. And um, like, Josh, I think you probably like, you know, just from talking to you today, like you have some of those ideas, you know, about yeah. how to conduct your life. You use some of those. You things. have to. You have. I, this was our intro to it. And I think it's important. I mean, you know? I can. And I, I think it was an important time for it to it come was, out. Like it right was. And I, and I think, but you know, like we said, Madonna's at the forefront and Madonna was at the forefront of spirituality for a lot of people that had no direction and no depth into their life. And I bet you because of this record and because of the, the stuff Madonna was, was, you know, I mean, if she only would have had a Twitter and social media back then was able to really spread it to the masses, how many people she would have made exponentially happier. And she already did from just putting out this record. So you know, maybe this isn't musically uh, deserving to be on the list, but the depth of what's behind it and how how much it impacted culture for her and the and her fans, uh, I get it. I totally get it. And, uh, and it aged well. Yes. Oh, it aged very well. There's listen. This you can still listen to this, and it still sounds good. Uh, all right, uh, Bonnie. Anything you want to promote? Go ahead. Um, I have a podcast with my husband called "My Wife Hates Me," and. Uh, <laughs> People think it's funny. It's great. I love your husband. I love Rich. Uh, there's nothing better than when I was doing your show 
in oh at Skankfest, God. and and he was like, "Wrap it up, wrap it up." <laughs> and I, he thinks I hate him, and I'm like, "No, I don't." I was like, "I was eating shit. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine." Why <laughs> was doing that? that was, I tried to like fuck with you a little bit, like to be oh, it funny. Was great. It was you know? great. So it wasn't a red light thing. Like he was actually just. It was. No, we were on the stage. Oh shit! Yeah, and he was going like, like he was going like this to him. I was like, Stop. "Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up." So the audience saw this. Yeah. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. And, oh, there's, oh. and there's four gorgeous female comedians behind me, oh, like oh. all judging my act and then deciding if they want to oh, yeah, fuck me or not. Um, right. It was would you would you bang yeah. him? Was and the show. and oh. and I had done it before. I did it at Moon Tower, and it was great. It was great. And but at Skankfest, it was just. I was like thrown up immediately and it's like, dude, anytime, you know, who did it right. That time was, well, all of the comics, me, Mike Cannon and Mike Feeney all kind of had a rough set. And then the only one that really nailed it that time was Che because right. he was, he was present and he commented about, which is how we all felt, you know, it's like, all you got to do in standup is just be in the room and not in your head. As long as you're in the room, you're going to have a great set. Even if, even if you eat shit, you could still eat shit with class and grace, you know. Um, right. But yes, but I, I don't. I, first of all, I don't mind bombing. I like bombing in the moment. It's only afterwards that I really feel shitty yeah. about it. It's like when I'm doing it. It's like I don't know why. It's a, it's almost it's like cutting yourself or something. It's like it's oh, hundred percent. I I had I had a show. I had to do a drive-in show uh, at the top of the Andes parking lot in West Hollywood for this benefit, and I've never had more fun eating shit. Like I had to do 25 minutes in front of cars and the only laughter I could hear was from the sound guy and he loved me, but because, and I, it's just, I was so present and so like just enjoying the, this awkward show and hearing his laughter. I was like, this is one of the most fun shows I've done in months and it's right, great. Right. Uh, Morty, do you want to promote anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am on, as Josh said, he thinks Clubhouse is dead. It is but, dead. you know, if you happen to be there, I know. Sorry, all the Android people came in and I was like, it's like when you somebody hands you your phone, it's a green text. You wanted it to work, like, no, dude. You wanted never, it to work never. so bad. Give me this phone. Take this phone and go away once with Tim it. It, Dillon, was fun. it. was fun. Once Tim Dillon says it's dead. It was fun at 3 o'clock in the morning. Once Tim Dillon says it's dead, it's dead, dude. And he's. <laughs> I know. I just, I just go there to hear David Wayne play guitar and piano and sing. Um, uh, DJ Morty Coyle on Twitter and there. Go to Instagram, Be and Daddy Cartoons, sing with your kids. And today we did Mike Rosenbaum's band, Sunspin. So give, give a shout out to Rob Danson and Mike Rosenbaum. And let's give a shout out to Fleece Army member TJG on Twitter. It's T E A J A Y G E E. Uh, another another Fleece Army fan who is who's considerate and always posts our stuff. We love so you. So blow this episode up, TJG, and tell everybody. We love you. Uh, Bonnie, this was so much fun. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you. I had a blast. I really uh, appreciate it's my pleasure. It. Say hello to everybody in Texas, and I'll see you next week, okay? Okay. Bye, guys. Thank you. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Bonnie McFarlane. Follow her on all social media at Bonnie McFarlane. Make sure you check out her podcast, My Wife Hates Me, and watch the feature-length documentary, Hysterical, uh, that was produced uh, by Jessica Curson, who was our guest last week. Now, we just listened to Madonna from 1998. Our new music pick this week is Baywa. 
She's a singer-songwriter from South Carolina. I saw one of her singles because my friend uh, Chloe uh, Chadez from Nasty Cherry. This girl is is just incredible, and she was promoting uh, one of her new artists, Baywa Songs, and I loved it. And uh, so I wanted you guys to hear it today. Uh, the song's called Vogue Snap. Uh, it's released on Psy uh, Sound Productions, and you can find it on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you were in a band and you want your music featured on the 500 because you were influenced by one of these albums or artists, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Next week is Johnny Cash. We're listening to uh, his 1994 record, American Recordings. If you haven't listened, do your homework. Stay fleecy. Doogle doogle. Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Next chapter podcasts.